to Claim the Stage. I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm also an author, speaker, and CEO and founder of Speaker Sisterhood, the net, a network of public speaking clubs for women at speakersisterhood.com. And today's show and all the shows are all about how to use your voice, how to speak up, how to be more visible. Today's show is amazing. I mean, I don't even know what word to choose. I didn't know really what direction I was going to go in this conversation with Lisa, but I knew that she had a signature approach to help people reach their highest levels of success. And I thought, whatever that is, I want to know more about it. And I figured we would just start there and then see where the conversation went. The conversation went to a place that left me beyond impressed. (laughs) I mean, I... I know one thing I talk about a lot in speaking school when I'm helping women become professional speakers who have intellectual property and have built their own system and their own process for something. I talk a lot about the importance of taking what you've learned from your work and applying your own framework or your own signature to it so that you're the only person who can do it. And that's what Lisa has done. And by the end of this conversation, my mind was totally blown by what she has created based on meeting with thousands of clients over the years who she's observed and learned from and listened to and built something that is highly effective and transformative. And so on today's show, she shares what that the beginning of that process is like and helps us to identify what the six different capacity areas are and where we might be deficient so we can then take steps to build those areas up. And so we go over those six main areas in the in the conversation and she also helps us to shift how we see ourselves and build a relationship with our inner wise voice and recognize when our ego is running the show versus when we're running the show. And I just have to say, like, this is an episode I'm definitely going to listen to over and over again, because I just loved the examples she gave, the way that she talks about what she does, how she simplifies things that can be completely life-changing and her whole approach to what she does. So if you're looking to learn from a master, If you want to be inspired, if you want to create change in your life, this is the episode for you. So I'll just tell you a little bit more about Lisa before we jump into the episode. Lisa Fabrega is a leadership coach who helps ambitious people expand their capacity to handle more growth, wealth, and success. For more than 10 years, she's helped entrepreneurs, corporate executives, Academy Award nominees, and Nobel Prize organization candidates to break through boundaries that have been holding them back from their next level. Her signature approach enables clients to reach their highest levels of success and impact. As Lisa said in the the interview, she has helped over 74,000 people, both on stage as a keynote speaker as well as on podcasts and through her coaching. She's been featured on CNN, Yahoo News, the Huffington Post, and Forbes. And she splits her time between Florida and California with her two rescue dogs, Luna and Sadie. Lisa is nothing less than impressive, and I hope you get a lot from this episode. Without further ado, my conversation with Lisa Fabrega.
Lisa Fabrega, welcome to Claim the Stage. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Very excited to talk with you because I know that you work with leaders and ambitious people who are trying to achieve more growth, more wealth, and more success. And as I was learning more about you, I learned that you have a signature approach that enables the people you work with to reach their highest levels of success and impact. And when I think about the women who listen to this show and some men and their goals, I know that they're trying to be seen as a thought leader. They're trying to get their ideas and their um, experiences and stories out into the world so they can inspire and impact others. And sometimes self-doubt creeps in and sometimes the fear of being unoriginal or fear of saying what other people are saying comes out and can stop them. And so I'm really eager to hear what your approach is and how you can help our listeners. But I thought before we jumped into that, maybe you could tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into this type of work. Yeah. Well, I actually never thought that I would do what I do today. Uh, When I was a child, I always thought I was going to be a writer and an actor. (laughs) And I actually went to graduate school and got a Master of Fine Arts in theater and went to one of the best acting schools in the country. Um, And uh, soon after was living in New York City. And, you know, actors always have periods of time where they don't work as they're waiting for their next gig. And so I had a day job. And the problem was the day job, when I got it, it was more flexible because they let me go on auditions during my lunch breaks and leave when I needed to. But then as I started doing better and better at the day job and they kept promoting me, it became more and more of a problem when I would leave to go on auditions. So I started to realize that I needed to do something else for a living to pay my bills apart from being an actor. And at that time, I ran into a friend on the street and she told me that she was doing this thing called coaching and that it was flexible that she could do it in her own hours. So I got curious and I ended up enrolling in a coaching school and graduating of about a year later. And I began coaching. And the interesting part, one of the things that I say a lot is to trust the journey that you're on, even when you're doubting and it doesn't make sense, because to just trust where you're being led, basically, because even though it didn't make sense that I would be a coach, I was curious about it enough to check it out. And as I started coaching, I started paying attention to where I was being led there too, because when I started coaching, I was coaching people in nutrition. And I realized though, just through observation, that after about two sessions, people were not talking to me about their food anymore. They were talking to me about their doubts, about ways they were self-sabotaging, about uh, not being fully in their power or not being able to ask for that promotion at work. they had their own businesses and they were struggling to take the business to the next level. They'd been able to get it to one level and were doing great there, but they wanted to push forward. And they had a lot of the things that you're talking about, fears of being more visible. Uh, who am I to be saying this? Who am I to call myself the authority on this? Why would anybody want to hear from me? Do I really have what it takes to handle what I really want? So as I just paid attention to my clients, basically, and and putting the connecting threads of what they were saying together, I realized that what I was doing was way beyond health coaching. It was leadership coaching because most of my clients, most I have some male clients, but a large percentage are women as well. And I was helping them do things so that they could get promotions, get, you know, the highest paid salary in their country. Um, you know, take their business from half a million to a million that year, 
And it was all the point of what I call expanding your internal capacity and your external capacity to hold, handle, and receive more of what you want at every next level. Because I'm sure the people who listen to your podcast and the people who work with me, y'all are growth-oriented people. And you're never going to stop growing. So this is how I ended up doing what I do. And now I've developed this thing called the Capacity Framework. It's my own methodology. And that just comes from following the hunches, following where I'm led, trusting. You know, I, I used to think, God, did I just waste all those years being an actor? And actually, no. Now I'm, I can see exactly why I was led to be an actor in the beginning in my 20s. Because all the skills that I learned from that career being rejection proof. You know how many times you get rejected as an actor? Rejection does not bother me at all. It doesn't stop me because I built my callus for rejection as an actor. I can use a teleprompter like nobody's business. So I am great on video. I can be on camera with no problem. All those things were things that fed into the career that I have now. Um, and I think that that's really important because sometimes we get nervous that we don't have our purpose figured out yet, but sometimes if you just really keep your eyes open, observe, and go where you're led, there's a connecting thread to all of it. So that's how I ended up where I am, and now I work with mostly business owners, some corporate people as well, who are looking to expand their capacity to handle and receive more of what they want, and most of the time their plates are so full and they're already so busy and overwhelmed that they kind of sabotage growing because they feel like, well, if I'm already so busy and overwhelmed and burned out and I try to grow even more, it's going to be like double the burnout. And so I'd rather not grow. And that's actually an erroneous belief that we have to shift and we have to shift how you see yourself and what you know you're capable of and what you delegate to other people and get rid of some limiting beliefs you have around what it means to be the thought leader and to show up. So that's the work that I do today. I love this. And I, your point earlier about recognizing the benefits of going into acting first and how they've helped you as a coach, I think is, is such a smart observation and awareness on your part. Because I meet a lot of coaches now who say, I'm going to go take an improv class. I'm going to get public speaking training. I'm going to take an acting class because I know all of those things will help me to be better on camera, help me be better on a stage. And so that's great that you had that first and you can apply it to what you're doing today. You also mentioned uh, the, the benefit of trusting what's coming next and trusting the, the journey. And I wonder, I think in retrospect, it's easy to say that and to be able to look back and go, oh, I can see how all of these things have helped me. But when you're in that moment, it might feel like you're off course or like you don't, you're wandering around and nothing is making any sense. Do you have any advice when you're in that moment, how to get that perspective of this is all going to come together um, and not have to wait five or 10 years for it to, you know, to be able to have that realization? Absolutely. I don't think there's anything wrong with having that realization 10 years later, because I think that there are some things that develop slowly and that we won't see till years down the line. So I think one of the suggestions I would give is understand that everything has a pace and a timing and another person's timing and pace is going to be different than yours. I have friends who like when I was starting my business grew five times faster than I did. And I would compare myself to them and feel like I was so slow and what was wrong with me. And guess what? I'm still in business and they aren't. Mm. 
because they grew so fast they didn't have the capacity to handle it and they burned out and they shut their businesses down. So I can only see that 12 years into my career, but back then I didn't. So one of the things that helped me was to just keep telling myself, there's a reason for why things are happening this way. There's a reason for why I just got rejected for that. There's a reason why I was not asked to speak at that thing. If I know I put my best foot forward and I gave it my all and that didn't happen for me, instead of assuming that it's rejection, I can assume that it's protection. And I will tell you, hearing other people say that, that when they look back, they realize they were being protected, helped me in the moments where I was like, this is making sense. Like, why am I not getting this, right? In 2015, I tried to build a funnel and it failed spectacularly and I went $100,000 into business debt. And at the time I thought, why is this happening to me? But I'd heard other people tell me stories like this and I'd heard other people tell me to trust in, in how things are going. And that kept me moving forward, not getting into total despair is remembering the stories people had told me from their personal experiences. Now that I'm many years past that and I paid off all that debt and everything, now I'm like, oh, I understand why I had to go through that. But it's through hearing other people tell the stories and putting myself in the place where I'm hearing stories from people who've had those experiences that helped me to remind myself when I was in the middle of it. The second thing is that there's something that I teach my clients. Um, I can't teach on the podcast because it's too long, but there's something I teach my clients uh, that I call discernment. Because, and we know what discernment is it's the ability to tell, you know, between right and wrong for ourselves, the ability to look, kind of cut through something and see the truth about it. And one of the things that I help my clients sharpen is their discernment. And I have several exercises that I walk them through. So, what I would say is, the way we start to develop our discernment is to make space to even be able to hear our own internal voice and our own internal wisdom, which is very different than the voice of our ego. And there's nothing wrong with the ego, by the way. I am not an ego basher. I love the ego. We need our egos. <laughs> um, our egos make sure we put pants on in the morning and brush our teeth and know how to speak. <laughs> um, but, you- but that's the second thing is, is, Uh, start to learn what the difference is between your ego voice and your internal voice. And the way you start to learn that difference is so many of us are so focused on achieving because we're all high achievers and we want to create amazing things in the world that we rush, 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 rush. And we never make this time to have a space of silence to just sit with ourselves because it's when we have that space and we're not always in achieve mode I have a client who is a CEO of an eight-figure company, and one thing I got her to start doing to develop her discernment, because discernment also helps you make important decisions faster instead of agonizing over them for weeks, Um, she has now set aside every Friday this thing called CEO Fridays, and her whole team knows that on Fridays after 11 a.m., they cannot bug her. She's out of work and she's doing her CEO Friday and her CEO Fridays are literally for her to just sit with her journal in her garden and ideate, think about things, turn things over, listen to herself, listen to what those little internal voices are saying and just be with herself because the more you do that, the more you start to notice the difference between the ego voice and what I call the soul voice, the internal wisdom voice. And one of the ways you know that those are different is that your ego voice always is, has like very complicated thoughts and very complicated ways of arriving to solutions. And there's all this backstory and you might even notice physically that 
you, when you're paying attention to where that voice is coming from, it feels like it's coming from your mind or your head or your neck. Um, when it's your internal voice, when it's that internal wisdom voice, the soul voice, which is the part of you that knows exactly what's right for you in your business and where you need to go next, even if it looks different from what everybody else is telling you to do, that voice tends to be very simple. So you will often just hear like, yes, no, not right now. There's not a lot of chatter. It's a very simple, like to the point kind of a voice. It's a feeling of knowing. So that's the second thing that I would say is when you're feeling lost and like you're in the middle of it, make sure that you are making time every day to be with yourself in silence and hear what your internal wisdom has to say. Do you recommend to make a list throughout the week so that when you get to that point of quiet, like set aside at an hour or whatever amount of time, you, you can go through those questions that you've been sort of like analyzing and mulling over? You could, but I wouldn't recommend that in the beginning, actually, because what happens is a lot of us, we aren't, everybody I work with, when they start this process of developing their discernment better so they can make better leadership decisions, they um, are not used to doing that. And so we tend to treat our internal wisdom as a transactional relationship. And y'all know how bad it feels to be in a transactional relationship. It doesn't feel good. It feels like someone's just using you to get what they want. And it's the same way you treat yourself when you haven't even given yourself the space and the time. If you just come with a list of things without even being like, hi, let's just be here together for a moment. <laughs> so if you're not used to making that space for yourself, what I tell my clients is in the first two weeks of doing this, um, just being with yourself in silence and doing nothing, just being, um, even if that means like sitting on a chair and looking up at the sky and doing nothing like when you were a kid, right? Um, don't ask any questions. Don't demand any answers from that part of you. Just build some trust with that part of you and be with it. Mm. Then when you start to feel like you can connect with that part of you and you're more deeply connected to your internal wisdom, then you can start very slowly asking it a few questions and just see, to see what you have to say. But honestly, just, this just taking 30 minutes a day to be with your thoughts even if you don't want to do everything I've suggested is important. I was speaking with a woman yesterday who's a very successful doctor. She has three children. It's chaos in her home at all times. Doctors work very hard. She's been working very hard. And between keeping up the house, maintaining a marriage, rearing three children, having a full-time, very successful job in the medical field, she was telling me, I, I, I feel like I have completely let all time to myself go. I'm not exercising. I'm not eating well. I don't even have time to think. And I said, that's a change. You have to set aside at least 10 minutes, at least 10 minutes a day to just be with yourself. And she's like, you're absolutely right. Because when I don't have that time, I feel kind of untethered and I start making reactive decisions instead of having the time to sit with like, how do I really feel about this? And what do I really want to do? Yeah. I love that. Now you mentioned earlier that you have built, um, a strategy called the capacity framework that you go through with your clients. And you mentioned that everyone has an internal capacity is being able to recognize your own internal capacity, part of that capacity framework. Absolutely. There's a, when people start working with me, they take a quiz that I developed called the capacity quiz. And it asks you some pretty poignant questions 
And once you answer all the questions, it spits out a score and it tells you what capacity area is the one that's causing the problem that you're having. Mm. And very often it's not the one you think it is. It's something else. Um, and so I've discovered in my work, I've worked with over 74,000 people at this point, um, that there are patterns and there are six main areas where people tend to struggle with when they're trying to grow to the next level. And this quiz will tell you, okay, you have this capacity that you need to work on. And that's this capacity is in deficit right now, which is why you're having trouble. So for example, like if your visibility capacity is in deficit, when you take that quiz, that explains why you're having trouble showing up consistently on video every day, for example, or why you're turning down those speaking opportunities or why you're not even getting them because there's something in you that's resistant to being seen in that way at that next level. What are the six areas? Yeah, so the first area is money capacity. <laughs> Everybody loves money and <laughs> the money, the money beliefs and the money limitations. Um, it's one of our most popular capacity topics. Um, money capacity is the way I define it is your ability to earn, save, and invest larger and larger amounts of money every year. And so if you're not doing that, something's going on with your money capacity. A great quick little story I can tell you about this is I had a client who had had a business for quite some time. She'd never been able to make more than 200000 in revenue the whole time that she'd had this business. I think it had been at least five years. And she couldn't figure it out because she'd tried all these different tactics and she'd like paid all these business coaches to help her make the revenue better. And no matter what funnel or blueprint or whatever she implemented, it just would not budge. And she came to me kind of exasperated, not understanding what was going on, clearly realizing that another strategy wasn't going to help it. And we discovered one day in a session that she had a memory from when she was a child that her mother was always more successful than the father. And the father was very threatened by it. And one day the mom got promoted and her salary was 200000 when she got promoted. And on that day, the father left their family. And so she had deep down in her memories without even realizing it, this lesson she learned as a child, which is not necessarily the right lesson, but she formed this belief that if you earn more than 200,000, people don't love you anymore. And when we discovered that, she had a huge breakthrough. And within two or three months after that session, she broke her 200,000 plateau. So that's a great example of a money capacity issue. There's other ways it shows up, like um, not wanting to raise your prices, even though you know that it's time and that the value your clients are getting is way more than they are paying you. And you might start to feel resentful and a little bit drained by your clients and your business because money is an energy exchange. And so if you are giving a lot of energy and love and attention to a client and the energy they're giving you back through the payment is not equal, you're essentially giving more than you're receiving. So that's an example of a money capacity issue. Mm -hmm. What's the second area? Yeah, the second one is visibility capacity. That This is the most popular one, by the way. Every time I do something about visibility capacity, it sells out like within a week. Oh, wow. <laughs> and visibility capacity is your ability to allow all of you to be fully seen in your work and in your life. So I had a client who had a business coaching business. <laughs> she was a business coach. And she had all these different programs for growing your business. And 
she was hiding for years that she was very intuitive and that she had these, she had studied shamanism and had these very powerful shamanic abilities, but because she felt that it would look weird to say that to her audience who was there for business coaching, she was always holding this part of her back from her business, even though she used it kind of like under the radar with her private clients all the time, she would use her intuition to help them make business decisions that would cause them to have, you know, amazing launches and make more money and better clients. And so she came to work with me because she had also started to notice a plateau in her earning and she was stuck at around half a million in revenue. And when we started working on her visibility capacity and expanding that and getting her to feel more comfortable talking about her intuition in her business and weaving that into her branding without shame, without fear that people were going to leave. Because, you know, some people are going to leave, but those aren't your people anyway. You don't want to be, you don't want to retain clients or community members that don't really know who you are because it's very draining to hold back parts of you. So sometimes when people are burned out, I'm like, Maybe you're working too much or maybe that drainage and that burnout is coming from you hiding a huge part of who you are. It takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And she used to get very tired. Like when she would, she would do an event once a year that she would sell like 85 tickets to. And after doing that event, she would have to take a week off because of how exhausted she was. And it was because the whole weekend that she was doing this event, she was only letting one side of her be seen. And it took a lot of energy to hold back this whole other side of her. So when we wove this into her branding and into her business, she opened that event up and she sold 285 tickets. Wow. Because she came out, quote unquote, about being an intuitive business coach. Her people went wild for it. And she had 285 people come to the event and she only needed one day off after the event instead of a week. So that's a big example of how visibility capacity is so important. Yeah. What's the third area? Uh, Purpose capacity. It's kind of what we were talking about at the beginning. It's your, I call it your inside matching your outside. So a lot of people start businesses because they're told it's like the right niche or it's like the, the niche everybody wants. And I've just shocked, to be honest with you, because I can't tell you how many clients have come to me. Um, like, I'll, I'll tell you a story about one client. She had actually been on Oprah's couch. She had a very successful best-selling book. And she had been to a couple of business coaches who had encouraged her to niche into a different niche about weight loss. Because they were like, weight loss is huge. Every You know, the weight loss industry, the diet industry. And let me tell you, they could not have proposed for her to do something so far off from who she was. And it just baffles me that a lot of a lot of coaches don't ask their clients, hey, is this actually who you are versus do this niche because it makes money. Right. <laughs> and so she let this coach steamroll her and she spent all of this energy for two years building this business about weight loss, which is contrary to all of her beliefs because she's all about body positivity. And the business wasn't doing well, even though she had all this fame and, and like, you know, energy behind her name. And she came to me saying, I don't know who I am anymore or what, do, what I do. And I feel depressed. I, I, I just don't know. I feel like I just maybe shouldn't have a business anymore. And I said, before you do that, let's do some exploration. And we looked at her purpose capacity 
and realized she was so far off. Like the branding that she had in her business was not who she really was. And when we started actually helping her shift the business into who she really was, she started signing $25,000 one-on-one clients. And now her business is back to being profitable again. She just released a very successful book with her husband and she's back to where she was before. And so that's an example of your inside not matching your outside because you're more concerned with a money-making niche versus what's your real purpose and is it being reflected in what you're doing? Because that's what's going to make you money. Mm-hmm. I love this list. This is really brilliant. What's the fourth one? Embodiment capacity. This is the one that nobody wants to admit they have. <laughs> it, it cracked me up. Whenever I talk about embodiment capacity, everybody runs away. Everybody goes, I don't need that. And yet when they take the quiz, it's always underlying all their other capacity issues. Oh, wow. What is it? (laughs) Yeah. Embodiment capacity is essentially your ability to confidently and uh, um, confidently navigate any challenges that come your way. So I call it like your emotional and your mental capacity. So for example, I used to have a client that was a complete roller coaster of emotions when she would do launches. And I remember one time she did a launch and it was a pretty big launch. I think they had like 10,000 people signed up for a webinar she was doing, which is a lot of people for a webinar. And you know how webinar software is. It crashes sometimes. And sometimes it crashes on the day your event is supposed to happen. Yeah. (laughs) And... She had like three webinars set up and one of them, the first one, the webinar software crashed, not her fault. You know, you can't help it. It's out of your control. And she got 500 angry emails in her inbox from people who couldn't get into the webinar. And she was just melting down. I mean, the voice message I got from her, you would have thought someone died in her family. And I'm not saying this judgmentally. I say it with compassion. And I remember at the end of that week, she was just so up and down emotionally because of all the little tech glitches. And, you know, you know you're know, reaching 10,000 people. You're going to get a couple people who aren't happy no matter what you do. And you're going to get some nasty emails. That's just part of business. You have to re- remember to just and learn to just ignore those things and not let it get to you. But Sheila was letting it get to her. And at the end of the week, her team lead sent her a message and said, By the way, we love you and we've been with you for a long time, but we cannot do this with you anymore. You need to get help for the way you're managing your emotions during a launch because we're going to quit if you don't. Because she was stressing them out so much because she couldn't manage her own stress levels Mm -hmm. and she was letting every little thing get to them. So, you know, if a troll leaves a nasty comment on a post, are you letting that make you stay silent for two weeks because you're afraid of being criticized now? Are you um, stressing out so much that your physical health is being affected because you don't have your embodiment capacity in check? Do you question whether you're worthy of teaching what you teach? Uh, All those things are embodiment capacity issues. And it's the thing that we want to ignore the most because it's not the easiest thing to look at. But it's the thing that if you don't have that, you can't do business, (laughs) not long term at least. Right. It's almost like that one's underlying all the other ones. and. It is. May, yeah, so the may... way, yeah. The way I explain the capacities is they're like a fabric and each capacity area is a thread and they weave together because they all impact each other. Mm-hmm. 
Makes sense. What's the fifth one? Structural capacity. It's another one that people don't want to look at. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, it's one of the ones people need the most. Structural capacity are the structures and foundations that are holding your business up to go to the next level. What does that mean? That means who's on your team? How are your tasks being delegated? What does your schedule look like? Um, what is your support team at home? Do you have the support you need at home so that you can show up fully for your business? Or is your home life constantly pulling you away from your business? Is drama in your family pulling you away from focusing on things in your business? So a great example of structural capacity is I once, so I have a person who comes and helps clean my home twice a week because I don't have time to clean my house, unfortunately. And for me, it's better for me to put my focus on my work and pay someone who actually enjoys cleaning house and pay them well to come and clean my house. And so I help. I have someone who cooks meals for me. I have somebody who cleans my house twice a week who I absolutely adore. Um, And, you know, I have a lot of different bits of help. But one time my, uh, my, my house cleaner came to me and said, hey, you know, I've noticed that you have to send your load out and stuff because you don't have time to do it. Would you, I'm more than happy to do the laundry for you, you know, and, and it would be better for her because she could make a little extra money, right? So I said, sure. Yeah, if you want to do it, let's go ahead and I'm happy to, I'd rather pay you than the service that comes and picks it up. She's like, no, absolutely, I'll do it. So she did it and I told her, for, I don't know why I did this, but I said, you don't have to put the clothes away. I'll put them away myself. Just wash and fold them and leave them on my bed. Why did I do that? Why didn't I just tell her to put them in the drawer? Me, but it's because I thought she wasn't going to know where things go, and I was too busy to like explain to her where everything goes. So, what would happen then is the clothes would sit folded on my bed for a week, and I wouldn't put them away because I was too busy. So finally, I said, "Okay, please put my clothes away for me." And this is where my clothes go in the drawers. But we do things like that all the time. And then we're like, I'm so overwhelmed. I never have time for anything. Structural, you know, if you, let's say you are making $100,000 a year in your business and you want to make $300,000. The version of you that makes $300,000, is she still putting her own clothes away? Or is she having somebody do that for her? Right? So what are the structures that your life and your business need now that your future self is going to be using versus keeping the structures and and foundations in place that are keeping you where you're at. Now. Another way I see people doing this is that they have team members that have been good for them up to the growth point where they are right now, but those team members are not going to be able or don't have the capacity or the skill set or whatever to keep growing with them past that point, but they hold on to them for way too long because they think I'm just too busy to hire somebody new. Well, you're going to stay that way because you cannot grow to your next level without the right team of people in place that know how to get you to that next level. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, we kind of sabotage ourselves when it comes to our structural capacity. I love that. What's the sixth one? So the final one is boundary capacity. Hmm. One of the biggest culprits for burnout is poor boundaries. <laughs> and, um, one of the th- the way I define boundary is that your ability to make specific requests to the universe 
about what you are and are not available for. Another thing about boundaries is when we think of boundaries, we tend to think of boundaries with other people. I'm not just talking about boundaries with other people, I'm talking about boundaries with self. Mm-hmm. We have to set boundaries ourselves sometimes, right? Um, I'm not going to buy yet another $97 program if I haven't used the ones that I've already bought. <laughs> um, I am not going to allow myself to go through a mental like loop meltdown over something. Instead, I'm just going to allow myself to wallow for an hour and then I am picking myself back up and I'm going to look for the solution. I don't have time to wallow about this for a week. Those are good examples of self-boundaries. I was just talking to a client yesterday who has been working on this for herself. And she was like, you know, I realized that one of the reasons why I haven't been able to move at the pace I want to move is one little thing goes wrong. And then I just spent three days upset about it. And she's like, I finally just put a boundary on myself that I'm going to wallow for two hours and then I'm moving on. And she's like, oh my God, I got so much done this week because I wasn't sitting around, you know, having no boundaries on my emotional uh, state for three days. Um, Another thing that I noticed here too, is that we tend to set the boundaries that we need right now. But if you want to grow your container, essentially, to the to to is right this and capacity is a pint has been great you want to grow to greens you have to expand your container to fit three gallons but the boundaries you have at three in size are very different the boundaries you have at a pint and so what people is they try to grow to three gallons while maintaining their boundaries at the size of a pint. That's never going to happen. So when you're setting boundaries for where you want to go to next, you've got to set the boundaries that that future version of you would have right now, because then you can grow into them. So for example, if you want to grow your, your business to where you have 20 clients, let's say, but you don't have the boundaries in place in your calendar and your schedule that are going to allow you to have space for 20 clients, then you've got to start implementing those boundaries and telling your clients like, hey, from now on, I only coach on Mondays, right? Because that enables me to have more space to fit other clients in on Thursdays, because that's what I want to grow into. I'm making space and room for that right now. So you've got to start living the boundaries of your, of your future self now if you want to grow to the future self. Makes sense. So these six areas, it seems like you could you could do the quiz and then see where you stand today, but it's almost like tomorrow it could be a totally different answer because when different challenges arise, there might be different parts of you that are coming up that might be standing in your way. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, it's not my that's not my experience. My experience is that once you take the quiz, let's say that you come out with your embodiment capacity as the number one result that you need to work on. What normally happens is whatever challenges arise the day after and the day after and the day after, if you are working on your embodiment capacity, you're going to start to see how all those problems arising are happening because your embodiment capacity is in deficit. Okay, gotcha. And you start going, oh, that's why that client keeps disrespecting my boundaries. Oh, that's why I can't seem to raise the price on this program because I have this belief that I'm not worth it or whatever, right? 
So once you start to work on the one capacity, you start to see how that capacity deficit is affecting all the things that seem unrelated that you're struggling with. And then what you also start to notice is that other capacities start to grow as well. So, you know, when you start believing that you're worth it, then your money capacity is going to grow because you're going to know that you can raise your prices and you're worth it. You're going to show up more visibly because you believe you're worth being listened to. So that's why I say that the capacities are all interwoven like a fabric. But no, um, my clients retake the quiz every quarter to self-assess. And what they find is the capacity they got really high after about three months of working on it diligently has improved greatly. And now it's time to move on to another one. Mm -hmm. And I also have clients who have stayed working on one capacity for six months. And everybody has, like I said, everybody has a different pace and everybody develops and grows at a different level of speed. And some of my clients get to month three and see their visibility capacity has improved greatly, but they are like, you know what? I feel like I need to stay here a little longer because there's still some strides for me to make in my visibility. And they do. And that's okay. That's why I'm all about honoring your pace. I love this. Where can listeners get access to the capacity quiz? Uh, Well, the capacity quiz is not a free offer, but I do offer it within my capacity shift program, which is a a recurring program that I offer. And it's recurring exactly for that reason, which is I don't want people to put an end date on their capacity growth. I want them to be able to stay growing their capacity as long as they need to before they're ready to move to the next capacity. So that's my capacity shift program, which you can find on my website, which is www.lisafabrega.com. But I do have a free offering on my website that um, is a video about why everything you're doing isn't working (laughs) and how to get it to work. And it asks you three very important questions that you need to start pondering about why you're experiencing the capacity issues that you're experiencing. And the questions that I ask you in this video are going to get you to see where the deficits are and what you might need to start doing to fix those deficits. And then for a full assessment, you'd obviously would join the capacity shift program. Okay. And what are the different ways that you work with people? Um, I work with people mostly in my capacity shift program. And then one-on-one, I work with people either in a a capacity intensive day or long-term one-on-one over usually around 10 months. Although I will say um, my clients who work with me one-on-one very often renew for at least three years because they are getting so much out of the work, they want to keep working with me. Um, So yeah, it's basically two offerings, one-on-one or capacity shift. And capacity shift is sort of like our cornerstone program. And we find people stay in there at least a year as well. We've got people in there right now who've been there for two and a half years. How does that work, that program? Um, It's a group program. We have group calls. Every two weeks, we have a group call. And then there are modules for each capacity because within each capacity, there are seven keys that unlock more in that capacity area that you're experiencing a deficit in. And so um, you basically take the quiz. The quiz tells you what your areas of deficit are. And then you can head inside the member portal and check out the audios and the exercises and homework assignments that I have set aside for you to improve and expand that capacity. 
And then you come to a group call every two weeks and you apply for a hot seat and you get some amazing coaching on the calls. And one of my favorite things about those calls is that every time we do a call in our Facebook group afterwards, people who didn't get a hot seat or didn't request one or didn't get coached, they always say, oh my God, I got so much out of that call. I felt like I got coached too. Yeah. And it just reminds me of why it's so important to show up even when I don't have a question I can think of because it's almost like questions I didn't even know I had get answered on the call when I watch other people get coached. Hmm. Can I ask you a behind the scenes question? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is the capacity quiz and the capacity shift program all your own intellectual property? Yes. And what made you decide to do that? Well, it's just the way I was working with people. When you're working with over 74,000 people over 12 years, you start to notice patterns, right? And some of the ways that I learned other people were doing things just didn't seem to work for my clients because people were coming to me. Most of the people that come work with me have are not new to the personal development and the business coaching world. Like they've had mentors before. They've already done a ton of programs. They've read a lot of books. They know their stuff. <laughs> they're not like a new person entering this world. Yeah. And if they're coming to me, it's because all that stuff just isn't working for them. And they want to know why isn't it working for me? Or why did it work for me really well up to a certain point And now it's not working for me anymore, seeing where I want to go. And that's why I developed my own intellectual property just from observing what other people that I was working with were going through, uh, trying to, that's how we all develop our own intellectual property, right? Is learning our own methods, learning how we are able to get results out of clients and noticing patterns in the clients that we tend to love working with the most and what their struggles are. And that all fed into the creation of my capacity framework. But you know, That took years and years and years, and I'm still adding to it because we grow, we evolve, we Mm -hmm. discover new things. Yeah, I I love what you're doing, and I think you're such a great example of someone who got into the work, started to do the work, and started to recognize new ways you could serve more people, and I'm sure your business has grown exponentially as a result of building these programs and having something that only you can offer. And since this podcast is all about helping people who are coaches, speakers, authors, who have something, some program or some system to sell and and offer people, I hope that while they're listening, they're understanding that you took all of the work that you were doing and you built something that is really special and uniquely yours that people can only get from you. And that is really cool. I love that you're saying that. Like, that's one of the things that I notice is a lot of people, you know, they're in their first couple years of business and they're like, why don't I have a framework? And I'm like, give yourself some time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You have to like get the experience. And a lot of what we end up developing as a framework is experience of actually working with people and learning about yourself and learning what you like and what you don't like and what you're good at and what you're not good at. And that's just a matter of practice. And this is a way that we really shoot ourselves in the foot is we think we can't start till we have it all figured out. And I have literally had never had anything figured out when I started. And one of my favorite things that Richard Branson says is like, he's like, just say yes and figure it out as you go. And I have to say that that's been a really important aspect of the development of my 
business and my work is you will figure it out as you go. Now, I do think there's something to be said for getting some sort of something in place, right? And so I do have clients that they book intensives with me and I help them develop their entire framework based on where they are right now, right? And then maybe they might come to me in two or three years and go, hey, it's shifted a little. Can we add a little more to it? And then they'll book another intensive with me and we will, you know, develop it and expand it more. So I do think there's something to be said about creating something in place where you can talk about your work clearly and explain to people what it does and how it helps people. Um, but you can, I mean, you can hire a mentor to help you do that, but you will not, I promise you, the level of clarity I have on my framework now and how it works with people, there is no way I would have had that clarity in year three of my business. Yeah. I would have had something much more basic and that's fine too. That's where you are. And the clients who are meant to work with you at year three will work with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's clear that you've put in a tremendous amount of energy and time and care into what you've built. And just in talking to you, I can tell you're an amazing resource to the people you help. And I want to thank you for coming on the show today and sharing your wisdom and brilliance with us. And um, I look forward to following you and, and keeping up with all that you're doing to help out in the world. Oh, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. And thank you for asking such great questions. Oh, thanks. <laughs> that does it for me this week. I hope you loved that conversation and got a lot of insights and things that you'll be rolling around in your mind as you go through your days. I wrote a ton of notes down and I'm excited to go back and think a little deeper about each of the six areas she mentioned and may even sign up for her program because there's always room for improvement. So if you have any thoughts, reflections you want to share, please feel free to email me anytime, Angela at speakersisterhood.com. And please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts because it does help more people find the show. And I love reading feedback from you. So that's it for this this week. As always, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.